Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one bestseller, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of the medical merry-go-round? Are you looking for a potential solution to your health problem? Be sure and listen to our podcast, The Code Breaker. Welcome into the day after Election Day, even though we don't know who won just yet, at least as of this recording, to the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky. Thank you so much, as always, for making the podcast a part of your day. And um, I'm not going to do an election analysis or anything like that for you. Um, And I'm certainly very pro-freedom and the electoral process and all that good stuff. But over 3,000 people in this state voted for Kanye West. And I feel like we should make an exception for the privacy purposes. Like, you know, nobody will know who you vote for unless you tell them. I think we should make the people that voted for Kanye West. We should. They should have to reveal themselves because <laughs> three thousand, over three thousand people voted for Kanye. Ugh. Anyway, welcome in. Got some old miss stuff to talk about. Of course, follow me on Twitter at Michael Borky. The show is brought to you every day by LBs just across from Kroger on University Avenue. Get one of their daily lunch specials or something to put on the grill. Go by and see Greg. Tell him we at Super Talk sent you. To LB's just across from Kroger on University Avenue, best place in Mississippi to get your meat. And uh, a couple of things I do want to start with this today. Uh, it is kind of an election thing. Um, the, the state flag, overwhelmingly, uh, you guys, you Mississippians, overwhelmingly voted in favor of the new flag. Uh, in a process that I thought was a joke, honestly. Uh, With the way the legislator decided to do this flag vote, I I thought it was a bad idea. And luckily, um, it didn't matter. Because if the vote would have been no yesterday, the whole process would have had to start over, and they would have had to nominate a new flag, and it just would have been a nightmare. But overwhelmingly in favor of the new flag. And to tell you the truth, in full disclosure, it is certainly not my favorite. I think the yellow that they added is awful. Uh, you should have no more than three colors on a flag. That's my opinion. I, I don't particularly love it. I liked some other options better. However, I'm very satisfied w- with it. I think it's fine. It's good. And to, to bring it back into sports, into Ole Miss sports, I, I think it's going to be really cool. And a lot of you probably agree with this. And I, I suspect this is going to happen in about 10 days, seeing Ole Miss take the field with a player holding that flag as they take the field, I think that's going to be really, really cool. Uh, It is something that where I grew up in South Carolina, my high school team did. We had the South Carolina State flag. It's something that you'll see from South Carolina in a couple of weeks. Uh, They take the field with it. It was always uh, a point of pride back home uh, was was that flag and taking it on the field with you and flying it over your tailgates and stuff like that. Now you here in Mississippi get the opportunity to do to do the exact same thing. And I'm looking forward to seeing that. I know that's kind of a divisive issue and some people don't like us talking about politics or flags or anything at all. Um, I'm going to do that from time to time when it's appropriate. And I think it's appropriate here because Mississippi, as of last night, has a new state flag. And it's one that I think the team is going to take the field with next Saturday. And I think that'll be really, really cool to see. As a 10 going on 11-year resident of this state, I 
but draw great pride in it. And being able to see that, I think, is going to be an awesome moment. Um, a lot of Ole Miss fans that I've talked to over the last couple of days were hoping uh, that this would pass because um, they want they just they want to have that same feeling that I got to have growing up and watching their team, their Ole Miss football team, take the field with the state flag of Mississippi for the first time in in a long time. Um, seeing that involved in the game day, I think it's going to be awesome. It's really cool. It's something that, you know, you can benefit at least to some degree from a merchandise perspective. You can make it part of your apparel. You can fly it over your tailgate. You can put it stickers on your car, all that good stuff. Again, it's not my favorite. I don't love it, uh, but I certainly don't hate it, and I'm really looking forward to seeing you know, Ole Miss take the field with it. I'm looking forward to whenever uh, you guys are allowed to go to the Grove again, Looking forward to seeing it around your tailgates and seeing it on cars and in front of houses. I've, I'm going to get one the second I can to fly in front of my house. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, so I think it was a big night. It was an important night. Uh, during a presidential election, it, it made national waves. Uh, I saw it talked about on uh, one of the major networks. Uh, I've seen it all over social media, and, and I certainly know that Social media is not a, a gauge of, of reality, but a lot of people were talking about Mississippi last night for something very good. And um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to seeing it. Uh, I hope you are as well. I don't know it to be true. I haven't talked to anybody. Frankly, it hasn't been a pressing thing to ask about, but I do suspect that you're going to see uh, them take the field with that flag next week, and I think that'll be a really cool moment. So looking forward to that. Also, there is an update. Uh, All of you probably know this by now, but just in case you have been living under a rock, we got asked uh, multiple times uh, on the radio show yesterday uh, an update uh, on Demarcus Thomas, uh, the Ole Miss player that was injured in practice on Monday afternoon. So I I hit record on this podcast about an hour later, I think. um, The the news broke. Kiffin uh, went to his media availability to let everyone know what was going on and that they had a player that was significantly injured, that couldn't move his extremities, and Kiffin was clearly very, very shook uh, by the situation. Um, You you could feel his emotion through the screen watching him, because nobody was there, obviously, but you could feel um, that he was distraught, uh, describing uh, what was going on with one of his players, and he was airlifted to the hospital, and uh, Demarcus Thomas was released from the hospital. That is uh, just an incredible... I mean, the best possible outcome and then some. I mean, when you saw Kiffin, when you listened to what he said and how he described it in the tone around this situation, um, you feared the worst. I don't think anybody said it out loud, but I feared the worst. I've been in that situation myself um, the same situation as the player, and you, you fear the worst. Uh, the The conversations you have uh, are surreal in, in that moment, and um, knowing that he was released from the hospital and is generally okay. And now his playing career is not something that anybody, uh, it, you know, cares about at the moment. That, that's the last thing on anybody's mind. But as far as just moving forward uh, with life, he's okay, and that is. The best possible news and just simply incredible considering um, how it sounds like it looked and, and the reporting 
uh, out of that situation, um, this is beyond the best possible outcome. So that's awesome to hear. Uh, I guess congratulations. That's probably the worst thing to say, but th- that's awesome for for him and for Ole Miss and his family. Uh, knowing that he's okay is is awesome. It's a uh, unfortunate reminder about how risky and violent the game of football is, but knowing that he's he's okay is pretty pretty awesome. So in case you missed any of that, I know most of you, if you listen to podcasts, you're pretty locked in online. Uh, radio listeners, we found a pretty different audience. I mean, there is some crossover. Some of you do listen to the radio show, but a lot of people are radio listeners, and, and that's really it. And most of you guys really only listen to me on this podcast. So um, I got asked about it a bunch yesterday. Figured I'd give you an update just in case any of you missed it. But let's turn the page here to this weekend, the bye week. Would you rather Ole Miss be playing this weekend? Would you rather play this weekend instead of having the week off before you play South Carolina? Um, Lane Kiffin said he'd rather play this week uh, for whatever that's worth to you. He would. I mean, they played so well on Saturday, continuing that momentum, not having to take a week off, just getting ready to play again when you're feeling that good about yourselves is worth something to him. I know I talked to a couple of Ole Miss fans yesterday, and they both wish that the game was this weekend because, I mean, if you can believe this, they're excited to watch their team play, and so they'd rather have that game this weekend. But the question is, what's best for Ole Miss? Is it playing this weekend or is it having the week off, letting South Carolina deal with Texas A&M before they have to go a few states over to Oxford? But on that note, the the couple of people I talked to yesterday about this in particular, um, kind of a weird feeling, isn't it? Because over the last few years, I mean, bye weeks at Ole Miss were kind of welcome sights. Um, most people dreaded Saturdays for the last three years, really. Um, and that's just not the case anymore. I mean, people want... Ole Miss to play, and usually it's like, oh, shit, pour me a Bloody Mary because this is going to be a disaster of an afternoon. Now I've got people texting me saying, man, this sucks. I want, I, I wish the game was this weekend. I want to see them play, and it's a 2-4 and four football team. It's just incredible. The, um, the dramatic difference that has been made. When the record is, I mean, basically the same, you know, it's it's incredible. The style of play is infectious. Um, the program is infectious. The social media, everything just draws you in. This is what everybody talked about back in January. Um, when people want to make a splash higher, everybody says, well, you, you just, you don't want, um, you don't want just to make a hire that will make headlines in January. You want to hire a coach that will win, but you got the seemingly the best of both worlds. You got somebody that will bring you national attention, regardless of what they do, no matter what. No matter what Ole Miss does, wins or losses, they, I mean, they were a national story again at 1-4. and four. Everybody talking about Ole Miss. Defending Ole Miss. Now, think about that for a second. National media people, freaking Dan Wolken, defending Old Miss, harshly defending them against the SEC. Now, fast forward five years ago and tell me if anybody was willing to do that for you. Um, different scenarios, but you get my point. It's People are drawn to your program because who your coach is. But not just because who your coach is. 
not just because he's funny on social media, but because the style of play is fun, but because it's a team that you want to watch, that is worth watching, a product that is worth consuming as a casual college football fan. Lane Kiffin isn't fun just because he retweets funny things or says funny stuff on Twitter. He's fun because his offense and the way he's run his program is edgy, it is forward-thinking, it's exciting, it's wide open, it's going forward on fourth down even when most people think you should kick a field goal. It's that. Everything's just kind of drawn into your program right now, and the, the fan base is feeling it, even though only... 25% of the stadium can be full, and nobody's allowed to go to the Grove, even though they're allowed to go to the state fair. Uh, Nobody's allowed to go to the Grove, so the game day environment doesn't feel like that, but the aura and the energy around Ole Miss fans is different. They're more engaged with us on the radio show. More Ole Miss fans are texting in and engaging with us on the radio show. Last season, the season before that, it felt like there were only Mississippi State fans around here. That has changed. You're more vocal. You're more engaged. It's... um, it's pretty awesome, uh, and, and good for you, of course, uh, that you have a program with some purpose and direction, but uh, especially, um, it became especially apparent to me this weekend. I can't remember the last time somebody has told me they're disappointed Ole Miss has a week off. <laughs> but people are like that right now. But what matters for the team? What actually gives you an edge on the football side of things. This is probably a really stupid thing to do. I'm going to not disagree with Lane Kiffin, and he sure as hell knows his team better than I know his team for sure. He wants to play this weekend. I think having the week off is really important for Ole Miss, in part because of what your opponent is having to do. Um, This is basically a must-win game for Will Muschamp. I don't know how much COVID has impacted South Carolina's financial situation. It has really put everybody in a bind. We had a listener on the radio show, uh, we were talking about Texas and how, you know, if people want to move on from Tom Herman, it's not going to be that simple because, I mean, they're looking at a $100 million shortfall from 2019 to 2020. I mean, $100 million. And the listener said, well, their endowment's, he said $600 billion, which is not accurate, but people throw endowments out there, and you can't use endowment money to pay football coaches. So even Texas has a financial situation. Uh, I talked about it on the Sunday show some, but if LSU wants to move on from Bo Pelini, they've got to pay him like $5 million-plus to fire him, and they just asked everybody in their athletic department to take a salary cut. They've cut jobs in positions, and they're facing around... a almost a hundred million dollar budget shortfall. So they can't just fire Bo Pelini. I suspect they're going to do it anyway. They'll find a way, but it's not that simple for LSU to fire a coordinator. So maybe Will Muschamp and this isn't even really in question, but every week for South Carolina right now is a must win. They sit at two and three. They're not very good. Mike Bobo's offense is boring and slow and, and just painful to watch. Uh, Their wins are Vanderbilt, and somehow they did beat Auburn, but they were non-competitive against LSU. They were really non-competitive against Florida, and the end of that Florida game had an embarrassment uh, of a clock management situation. They got the ball down 14 with like eight minutes to go in the game, and that was the final possession of the game. They ran the clock out of the game. That's how slow the offense was, down two scores. Just an embarrassment. Um, There's some unrest in Columbia. People are not happy with the product at all. 
And in comes Texas A&M, who is a top 10 team, 4-1 in the SEC. Kellen Mond's been okay. I still think he's very, very average, but at times he plays above average. And South Carolina has to focus so much time and attention on this game, and and there's so much on the line here that I think that will really benefit Ole Miss. Even though they wanted to play to to keep their momentum, I think South Carolina is going to come into Oxford here next week and will be maybe not physically drained. We'll see how the game goes, of course, but the fact that Ole Miss has a week off when South Carolina really has to focus on what a lot of people around there are describing as a must-win game for them, I think that is easily advantage Ole Miss. And on the other side, I think this is an important game for Ole Miss. I think I've told you I spent all offseason telling you that this should be considered or looked at as year zero for Lane Kiffin. I do not believe at all that the results this year, whether if they're bad or even if they're good, should be some kind of indictment on the program moving forward. There were so many moving parts and variables on this season that this game or this this year should be looked at with great context. This year should be looked at differently than next year and beyond. Um, and I've been telling you that there's no such thing as a must-win game uh, for Ole Miss in 2020 because of everything I just mentioned. But this is an extremely important game, an extremely important game. Because right now Ole Miss sits at 2-4. and four. There's a chance, I mean, some bowl games are getting cut, but if they want to get into the postseason, if they want to prepare for a bowl game, if they want that to still be something that happens, I think you've got to beat South Carolina. They'll be a favorite next week. They'll be a favorite over Mississippi State and possibly a favorite over LSU. That, that is entirely possible uh, for the last game of the season. Uh, but if they win three of the next four, I think they're going to a bowl game. And if they win three of their next four and finish the season five and five, I think that would be a fantastic uh, accomplishment. Uh, that would be something that, even though, like I've been telling you, oh, it's year zero and all that stuff, if they finish five and five, it's a hell of a coaching job from Kiffin. I think the recruiting class will end up being very good considering nobody's been able to visit. These next four games, I think, can really set the tone for Ole Miss. They can really set the tone. And, no, hold on, I'm sorry. I I lost my train of thought because something just popped up that um, Wisconsin season might be done. So it just distracted me. I'm sorry, that's really embarrassing and not a good podcast. But um, Ole Miss finishing 3-4, and if they can pull it off, and it has to begin with a win against South Carolina – sets the tone so much uh, for recruiting and for next season. And Ole Miss becomes more than just the story that I mentioned because Kiffin's fun and interesting. Now it becomes, oh shit, Ole Miss is on track to be competitive. They just went 5-5 five and five in a COVID year with a historically terrible defense and an, a 10-game only SEC schedule. I think it would set the tone and send a message to the SEC and college football beyond that Kiffin's for real. Because if they do win three of four, which I think is entirely possible, like I said, they'll be favorite, a favorite in three of four to finish the season. If they win those three, that would be a message to college football. It would. Very similar to 2012 Hugh Freeze. That was that was a team that only won six games, but you kind of felt it, right? 
hopefully Lane Kiffin doesn't invite an NCAA investigation on Twitter and then do all the, you know, other stuff. But that's what it would feel like. You guys remember the feeling back then is uh, the day they won that Birmingham Bowl, it was um, like you kind of knew that something special was about to happen. You could feel it. It's a team that had no business going to a bowl game and winning one at all. Uh, This Ole Miss team, especially with how they are defensively, it really has no business being 5-5 and or better. But they will be if they can take care of business. That's a big deal. And the momentum going into 2020 would be unlike anything we've probably ever seen, even more so than any time during the Hugh Freeze era. It's an important game, and I think that having that week off is a huge advantage. Uh, I think it um, gives Ole Miss even more of an edge than they they already have in this game. And so even though Kiffin wants to play and even though the fans want to play, I think this week off is coming at a perfect time. You get an easy, comfortable win with Vanderbilt. You feel really good. You play really well. And you get a week off to kind of reset and get healthy and do some self-scouting and stuff like that. Um, A lot of your players, well, the team took the day off yesterday to go vote. A lot of your players got to do that. Um, You get to kind of reset. South Carolina has to prepare and play a tough physical game on Saturday. And you get to hang out in the facility and chill in a recliner and watch the games and get ahead of studying for them. I think it's all good for Ole Miss. This is a huge advantage for them aside from not being able to continue their momentum. But the bye week coming when it did um, is huge for Ole Miss. So it's really important. I hope you guys can't hear that, by the way. The little guy's upset. He's not upset. He just wants attention. Um, he's at that stage now where he uh, he gets fussy when, uh, when mom or dad leave the room. But uh, anyway, um, if you follow me on Twitter, you got to see a video of him uh, making himself laugh with a pillow. And I just absolutely love that video. I mean, I, anyway, you can go watch it if you want. It's pretty uh, pretty spectacular. All right, moving on. Um, a look around the SEC. The slate this weekend's pretty god-awful. I don't know if you've looked at it yet. Just four games. Uh, you've got Vanderbilt-Mississippi State, which will just be a barn burner. That's at 2.30, along <laughs> standing next to Georgia-Florida. Yeah, which is the only marquee game of the weekend. You have Texas A&M, South Carolina, as I mentioned, and Tennessee, Arkansas. I'm sure you guys saw this already, but I do find it uh, absolutely hilarious um, because it's so glaringly obvious that um, Dan Mullen was fined the exact same amount for his role in a brawl and then acting, forgive my language, like a jackass after the brawl um, find the same amount of money that Lane Kiffin was for a tweet. And yet you you have people somehow that are convinced that the SEC uh, does not favor one school over the other. Uh, you, you have people that try to convince me that. That, oh, the SEC is fair and just and they do everything by the book. and uh, n- No shot. Because if that were Lane Kiffin, he's not coaching against South Carolina. Or that fine sure as hell is bigger than 25K. But because it's Dan Mullen, who's at Florida, who plays Georgia this weekend, he was treated differently. If that were Mike Leach on the field, if that were Mike Leach acting like that, getting involved in a brawl, and acting like a jackass like that, he's not coaching against Vanderbilt on Saturday. 
the SEC's not out to get Ole Miss. I don't, I don't think that. But I mean, what else do you need to see before you understand that they're they treat others differently? What else do you need to see? This is what I talked about with with Kiffin's fine. Is that there are fans all around the South that are convinced that the SEC favors Alabama or favors Auburn or whoever they choose to say that. But what evidence do they have to the contrary? Because now they have something to point to again. They have something to point to. And this got pointed out by a lot of blue check marks. I'm telling you, people are defending Ole Miss, which is mind-blowing. But how can you... I hope you can't hear that. I'm sorry if you can. How can you tell somebody that they're wrong when they have this to point to? Counter-argue against this. Counter-argue against the fact that Dan Mullen got the exact same fine for his role in an on-field brawl where punches were thrown on people that were down on the ground, where he had to get held back by a freaking state trooper as he was going after somebody and got the exact same fine as Lane Kiffin for firing off some tweets. How can you try to convince anybody that they're wrong for thinking that some teams get protected more than others. I mean, that, that's where I stand on this, is I don't think it's some grand conspiracy, but how can I tell somebody they're wrong for thinking like that? I can't counter-argue it. Because either A, they're protecting people so much that it's like the damn Federal Reserve, or they're handing out the exact same fine for Dan Mullen that Kiffin got. How am I supposed to tell anybody that they're wrong for thinking the SEC protects people? How am I supposed to tell them? I can't. I can't tell them they're wrong. It may be a conspiracy. It may be flat out wrong. But I can't tell you that you're wrong if you think that. Because I there are things that you can point to now, just like this with Dan Mullen. He's coaching against Georgia. If it were Mike Leach, he would not be coaching against Vanderbilt. You can't convince me otherwise. I don't know what I think about the actual game, by the way. Um, some players out for Florida. I, I think their offense is too explosive. Um, Stetson Bennett's a very good story, uh, but he has showed you the last couple of weeks why he started the season as a fourth-string walk-on. And Georgia's not winning anything of consequence with him at quarterback. Uh, you saw it against Alabama. Uh, Florida's defense is pretty bad, so maybe they'll put up some points, but they're not winning the SEC. They're not winning a playoff game with their current situation at quarterback. It's not happening. Um, their offense is just not capable of beating Alabama or beating an Ohio State or beating a Clemson. It's not going to happen. So even if they find their way to the playoff, which I don't think they will, but even if they find their way to it somehow, they can't beat those teams because the one thing they don't have is elite-level quarterback play, or high-level quarterback play, or good quarterback play. They don't have it. So I'll make picks Friday. I think that's the difference, though, in the game, is Florida's better at quarterback. I think it's that simple. Um, And, I mean, this is the same coach that ran off Justin Fields to keep Jake Fromm. So um, weird deal there for Georgia, especially at that position. Have no idea what to think about Vanderbilt and Mississippi State. I have no idea. I mean, Vanderbilt is awful, historically bad. I mean, they're terrible. Um, But Mississippi State's offense is equally as bad. 
and they are very likely going to be starting a true freshman who I, I think has some upside. I, I think he's their quarterback of the future. I actually like him. Will Rogers is his name, if you're not familiar. I think he's going to do some nice things, but they haven't been able to score on anybody. This game very well could be like 14 to 12. I'm not kidding. It's going to be one of the worst games you'll see all season. And one of the worst games you've seen in quite some time, honestly. Tennessee, Arkansas, I'm not at all interested in that one. I wonder what happens to Jeremy Pruitt if they go to Fayetteville and lose. I'm very curious to see what happens to Jeremy Pruitt if they go to Fayetteville and lose. Because Tennessee, like everybody else I mentioned earlier, they're not immune to what's going on right now with COVID and the budget shortfalls and all that stuff. They're certainly in that position. But if you look at Jeremy Pruitt, um, they're still completely non-competitive against Alabama, and they think that they should be. He's only two games above 500, and this is year three. Uh, They'll fall to two and four if they lose to Arkansas. He's firing coaches in the middle of the game. I I just wonder what's going to happen to him if they go to Fayetteville and lose. That's something that that I'm keeping an eye on this weekend. And then, of course, South Carolina-Texas A&M is a game that I'm sure a lot of you are going to be paying very close attention to with uh, the Gamecocks being Ole Miss's opponent um, in the near future. Next week, I think 10 days from now. Is that right? I'm not very good at math. Yeah, 10 days from right now. So maybe we'll have uh, election results by then, but... The way things are being counted, I don't know. Somebody on the news earlier said it may be Friday before we know. I doubt that's the case, but hell, I don't know. It's crazy. By the way, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It'll auto-populate to your phone every single day, wherever you're listening right now. Just hit that subscribe button. Um, Just a personal preference for me on podcasts. um, I turn off the download feature even though that's probably counterintuitive to me trying to get as many downloads as possible. I'm just doing a service to you um, because it'll run up the storage on your phone really quickly, and so you can just play it episode by episode, but it'll be there for you uh, every single time. So hit subscribe. Uh, Your phone will let you know when a new episode is available. And don't forget, of course, to follow me on Twitter at Michael Borky. Friday, I'll do picks, uh, hopefully... Getting in touch with my guy, Ben Mintz. He's uh, busy up in New York now with Barstool, but he wants to come on the podcast again, so I will have him on again. We'll talk about that move and what it's like hanging out at the Barstool office and being famous overnight. So hopefully that'll happen Friday uh, or maybe Thursday. It just kind of depends on uh, his schedule now. Uh, So I'll be in touch with him, and we'll work that out. So be on the lookout for that. Don't forget to go by LB's and see Greg and tell him we sent you. Have a great rest of your week. Uh, Take care of each other. And I will see you again either on Thursday, tomorrow, or Friday. Have a good one. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.